Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk Money and More with me, Leslie Thomas. The guest episodes are fast becoming my favorite, and today is no exception. I would like to introduce you to a hugely inspiring woman, Sam Dunlop. Sam is an award-winning director of two high-flying companies. She did well at school, but she left at 16, a victim of bullying over her pale skin and auburn hair. This led to an apprenticeship at a hairdresser's and dyeing her hair every colour to bury her shame at being ginger. Despite her crush confidence, Sam's ambition burned as brightly as her red hair and she passed her accountancy qualification with the Open University. A few years ago, Sam set up her own accountancy business, Prestigious Finance Services. The schoolgirl who was relentlessly tormented has certainly become the mouse that roared, winning the KWIB Woman in Business Entrepreneur of the Year in 2021, when she reverted to being a redhead. For an entrepreneur accountant, such high-profile triumph might be affirmation enough. But just two years ago, Sam founded a second company, Mastermind Recruitment. And at the height of the pandemic, she spotted an opportunity to support an economy devastated by COVID and worked with local job centres to launch a service to match job seekers to her clients. Welcome, Sam, to the podcast. I am so looking forward to our conversation. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on. Thank you very much for having me. So the question I ask all my guests is the same question. What is your money story? Okay, so um, I'll start from the beginning for you. Um, I was in secondary school and I had um, quite a bad experience at secondary school um, I was bullied a lot for having red hair, having freckles, having more of a whiter skin um, than other children. Um, I think that's where it kind of started from. Um, I used to be called all kind of names, um, carrot top, ginger, um, all kind of things really. And I used to get picked on a lot for being smart and intelligent. I was always one of those children that would be front of the class being involved in the teacher's comments, trying to answer the questions, really trying to get on with my studying and things like this. Um, and I felt that the bullying really dropped my confidence quite a lot. Um, I'd go from being at the front of the class to the back of the class. I'd skip lessons. I would just kind of hide away. There'd be break times that I'd go to the toilets and 
just sit and read my book rather than actually interacting with the other kids, um, trying to make new friends, things like this. That just wasn't really where I wanted to be. I wanted to, you know, it just really dropped my confidence a lot mm. from the bullying. Um, so when I turned 16, I decided to drop out of school and go down the career route, try and get a job, things like this. The only way I could actually leave school was with an apprenticeship at that point. Um, so I managed to find an apprenticeship in hairdressing. And um, that's when my career started, really. Um, I done an apprenticeship, full apprenticeship in hairdressing and became qualified. but realised it wasn't really something that I wanted to do. I was spending a lot of time dyeing my hair, trying to figure out who I wanted to be, trying to make myself a different kind of person that I was perceived a certain way. And really, that wasn't building my confidence at all. It was just mm. making me worse. I think it built my confidence for a small amount of time. But in the long run, I think it just hindered me more. Yeah. So it started from there. Um, once I left the hairdressing um, industry, I decided to go into accounting. And I think that's where my confidence started to grow because I was then back learning. I was doing something I felt comfortable with. I was expanding my knowledge. Um, I was taking exams, I was doing different courses, I was then expanding, everything like this. So that's when my confidence really started to grow. Um, and at that point, that's when I started to grow my hair out and grow back to my natural red colour. Um, and I think it was actually a turning point where I was in the street, actually, literally just walking down the street with my friends. And I actually had someone come up to me and ask me for a bit of my hair <laughs> because they wanted to take it to the hairdresser to have the same colour. And obviously we all know that's, that's just not possible. You know, you can't just cut someone's hair up. But um, that was kind of like a turning point for me where I thought, actually, this isn't this isn't a bad thing to have at all. Mm. People are actually complimenting me. And I felt as I got older, it grew my confidence because people were then saying, oh, it looks really nice. Your hair really suits you. That's a lovely colour, things like that. So that obviously helped grow my confidence quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, I started um, going from there into accountancy. Um, started off bookkeeping, then moved on to accountancy, went on um, sideward slightly to extend in tax specialist as well. Um, so I specialised in all tax regions as well. Um, and then obviously just grew my myself from there, really. Um, I then had a bit of a turning point where I'd split up from a current partner and I was raising my um, eldest daughter now. Um, and we had the turning point where obviously the parents had separated and we were kind of rebuilding our lives. And it was at that point where I was in left with so much debt. I had bills coming out of my ears. I had no money to do anything. I had no money to go out. I had no money to, to do anything. I was really, really struggling. And I found myself searching online all the time. How can I save money? How can I budget more how can I get a week's worth of money with this amount of money I've got and it just it was so impossible to do yeah. I thought even though I'm doing all these courses and I'm trying to better myself it just wasn't working out I was still left with all these debts and it was horrendous I'd find stuff online um payday loans um you know credit cards things like this just to try and make ends meet for that month and then obviously the following month I'd have to pay them back yeah. So I, it would just spiral out of control. Yeah. 
it wasn't a nice feeling at all. And obviously when your daughter's at school, you're just wanting to do things. You know, you're wanting to go out on the weekends. You're wanting to buy her new clothes, things like this. And it was a massive struggle for me. It really was. Um, and I think, I, I can't remember the exact turning point, but it was when I'd obviously got to the end of my qualification and I knew that I could now go and get a decent job, decent wages, decent benefits, and I was able to provide for my daughter in the sense that I needed to and I wanted to. And that was kind of where I sat there and thought, actually, it's going to be all right. And that's when I started to budget a lot harder. I wrote down all what I had coming in, what I had coming out. I then obviously um, paid off debts bit by bit, slowly, um, and kind of just progressed from there. I think the worst thing is not taking that phone call from the debt companies. Because I find that a lot of people are in the same boat or the same boat as I was in then where you would you would miss a payment and they would be on the phone to you. They'll be sending you letters and you don't open the letters. You just put them to the side. You ignore the phone calls because Very you don't understand. want to respond. Yeah. You don't want to hear them say to you, you've missed a payment. How are you going to pay? Because you just can't make ends meet and you can't make that payment. So I think that was the hardest thing for me to do was actually – to ring all those people back. And I actually remember an evening when I was in my flat and I had my parents come round for the evening and we wrote down all of my debts. We separated all my money out and we were ringing each company, sending emails, phoning them, asking for their advice on how to move forward with payment arrears that I had and things like this. And we did eventually get it all down so it was budgetable for me and it was financially able for me to pay it all back but still have a little bit left over and I think yeah. when the debt started coming down I just found myself having more and more available each month each time another debt was cleared down and that was such a good feeling that was a it was a massive relief off my shoulders um you know it was good to have that I've that sense of achievement where you know that you've done it you've got yourself out of that hole yeah absolutely absolutely yeah how had your relationship with money been up until that point? Um, it was good. It was more manageable. I think yeah. I'd lived within my means. Mm. Um, I wasn't an overspender. I can't, if I didn't have the money, I didn't buy it. It was just that was my kind of thought process. Um, but it was obviously when I then um, was raising my daughter, me and her dad had split up. I thought, you know, I've got to pay for this. I've got to pay for that. And it just kind of spiraled. You know, you don't that's when I got to a point where I was then living well outside my means. And how, having gone through the experience you've gone through, what is your relationship like with money now? A lot better. So I don't have any debts now. Um, I don't have, I do obviously have credit cards and things like this, but they're all managed a lot better. And I basically use them to build up my credit scoring rather than actually using it for anything else. Um, I learned, obviously, by getting yourself into debt, you actually end up with quite a good credit rating. However, that doesn't obviously work in your favour all the time. Um, but now I, I live within my means still. You know, I cater for everything that I've got coming in, coming out. And then, obviously, I still have extra left over to take the kids away on days out or on holidays, um, things like that. I am quite lucky where I don't have any debt anymore. And I do, obviously, control it a lot better. And you talked about the time, you know, when you had a larger amount of debt or had a large amount of debt and your yeah. parents coming around 
to the flat to help you to work out what you owed to who and how much you could pay, etc. Yeah. How did the um, companies that you owed money to, how did they react when you contacted them and asked them for support? Some of them were quite supportive and I found other ones weren't. It really depends on who you get on the other end of the phone. I think if you get someone from that call centre that can relate to you and when you explain the situation, they understand where you're coming from because maybe they're in that situation themselves or they can relate to you in a sense of they've also got children. They can relate to that side of you. It helps. But if you don't get that kind of person on the other end of the phone, it makes things extremely difficult in a sense of they're not compassionate. They just want to get their money. They want to get the bill cleared and that's it. They'll move on to the next call. But I found that a lot of people when explaining the situation of why I'd been behind on the payments and things like this, they're actually quite compassionate. So what would your recommendation be to people who are listening to this conversation now who are finding themselves in a situation of being overwhelmed with the amount of debt that they have and possibly burying their head in the sand, not opening opening up the envelopes when they arrive, what would you recommend to them? Do not ignore the letters. I find that if you ignore the letters and ignore the phone calls, it gets 10 times worse. If you just take that phone call, open the letter and give them a call, they're more understanding than if you miss three payments down the line and you're then three letters behind and things like this. If you make the contact and you come up with a suitable plan, if you're paying off, even if you can say afford £20 but offer them 15 you've then still got that little bit in the middle where you can still top it up every month. You can still give them that little bit extra so they know that they've got a plan in place with you. They won't, they won't bother you. They won't send you any more letters and they won't ring your phone out. Um, I think it's all about having that communication with the people that you're in debt with and then obviously working out your finances from there. I think budgeting is a massive thing these days as well. And I find a lot of people budget different ways. I found that budgeting helped me a lot, especially with obviously having a child, trying to cater for different things. Obviously, September comes, school uniforms are needed, yeah. things like this. Um, it's a lot of pressure to put on a parent, and especially with lots of things increasing. Obviously, you've got all the bills increasing shortly. Um, everything's going up, food costs, electric gas. It's hard because minimum wage isn't going up that much to cater for the increases in other bills. So you're always going to have someone that is struggling. There's always going to be that struggle in the economy that's on the rise. And unfortunately, it spirals because people do bury their heads in the sand. They don't know how to get out of it. And that's obviously when you lead into things like depression and yeah, things like that. And you're so right. It is a case of really being honest with yourself and having the awareness you know, of the situation that you are in. Yeah. and empowering yourself to find a solution to it. Yeah. And that solution is, as you say, pick up the telephone, have the conversation, work out a budgeting plan that is affordable for you yeah. and applaud yourself for having taken that first step to actually sort it out. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And I think, you know, with all the debt companies, they would much rather 
somebody picks up the phone and starts to pay them a smaller amount over a longer period of time, yeah. then ignores those calls and they don't get any payment, basically. No. And I find a lot of people do that where they've obviously ignored all the correspondence. They then get into a point where they owe them a lot larger amount. So it does work out worse for you in the long run if you don't pick up the phone and communicate in the first place. Absolutely. So now you are an accountant. Yes. What what brought you to move from hairdressing to being an accountant? I always loved maths. I was that was one subject I was really good at. And I don't I don't really know where it came from. I think it was just something that I enjoyed doing. Even the really well, my daughter calls it the rubbish points, um, algebra and things like that. Oh, I'm so with your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just something that I I understood and I got. And I thought, do you know what? If I get it, I'm obviously good at it. So that's where it kind of just spiraled. And I thought, do you know what? I need to find something that I'm good at, that I can expand on, but also I feel comfortable to do in the long run. Because I didn't want to be in a situation where I swap jobs all the time I wanted a career I wanted a full career that lasted many years and that it was in an industry that was always needed and obviously finance accountancy is always needed yeah and what what are the two things they say are certain in this life death and taxes yeah exactly and <laughs> yeah. here I am <laughs> so. yeah, exactly and I think if I had if I had to make the choice between uh, death so being a um, an undertaker or being an accountant, I think I would definitely choose accountancy. Exactly. But I was but never good at school. So not oh. good at school. I was never good at maths, I should say. I was never good at maths. So I don't think accountancy was ever going to be the thing that I did. But I think you are right. There's always a certainty of the yeah. need for accountants. A hundred percent. There's always... There's a lot of different people in the world that, you know, different jobs and things like that. You're either employed, self-employed, you either own a business. All these different categories always need someone to help with their finances. So you're always in that kind of safety net, so to speak. Obviously, no one's ever safe, but you've obviously got that initial safety net to begin with, that you're you're needed by someone. You've just got to find that someone that needs you. Absolutely. So why did you, when you left school, be, move into the hairdressing industry rather than moving straight into accountancy? Because I needed to get out of school is my honest answer. Yeah. My dad said to me, I could leave school, but I'd have to find a job. So that's what I'd done. Right. Um, that was the rule that I had to, um, that was actually the rule by the government. You know, yeah. I had to go into you work. You couldn't leave at 16 without, yeah. Yeah. So it was the only apprenticeship I could find. I was there was no way I was going to stay at school. Yeah. Because of the bullying. Because of the bullying, yeah. I yeah. think if I hadn't have been bullied and I hadn't felt the way I had, I probably would stayed on to sixth form, gone on to college, university, but I just felt like it wasn't for me after that time. It really wasn't. And do you regret having not gone on to do your A-levels, go on to university? Yes and no. I mean, obviously, university and college and things like that do bring different life experiences. And obviously, they're life experiences that I personally have missed out on because I didn't go to them. However, I was still able to go to university, but it was more of an open university where I was able yeah. to do it around my lifestyle at the time. And I was able to do that for my sofa rather than a college. So there's still times where if you didn't do certain things in your school life, you can still do it at a later time because 
there's so many different opportunities out there now. And there's so many courses you can go on. There's so many um, things you can sign up to. Col- you know, there's so many colleges you can go to in the evenings now as well. Um, and they're all based for working parents, working people, you know, single mothers, families. You can go to all of these places and build on your education if you didn't do that at school. You're so right, because I think that is the thing these days. We're no longer in these strict timelines of when we do certain things. And if you miss that particular timeline, you miss, you've miss you missed that particular opportunity. You yeah. can go, you know, you can go and do GCSEs in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. You can do your A-levels. You can go to university as a mature student. You yeah. can start a business when you've retired, etc., cetera, et cetera. So we can push the envelope on those norms so much more today than we were able to do in our parents and our grandparents' days, I think. Yeah, 100%. There's so much more out there and it gives people the opportunity that they can expand. You know, there's a lot of um, people leaving school due to different reasons, um, whether that be just that I just don't want to be at school, depression, um, you know, young pregnancies, all these different things that are forcing children to leave school, there is now the opportunity where they can go back to their studying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it like now being an accountant and running your own practice? I actually really enjoy it. Um, I like, um, obviously, I've got some members of staff underneath me as well now. Um, it was hard work at first. It really was. I think because I'd gone, I've taken the jump to go self-employed, sit on my sofa, do people's tax returns with the baby in my arms, you know, trying to get around all of that. And then going to a point where people are recommending me. I'm not marketing myself. I'm not, you know, um, doing anything on Facebook or anything like that. I was literally just being recommended by word of mouth. And that was a really good feeling for me because I think that's the best kind of recommendation you could have. And it kind of spiraled from there. I found myself sitting on the sofa with maybe one or two two tax returns to do to find myself having a massive pile on my dining table thinking, okay, well, now we need to look at nursery and look at different things like this, you know, and try and expand it that way. And it kind of just spiraled from there. I got to a point where I then needed an office. I then needed someone to come and help me. I then took on an apprenticeship, an, an apprentice. I've then moved on to um, have my own personal assistant now as well. And that's obviously when it just kind of just flowed from there, really. I just took one step as I did and um, just kept on going, really. And as far as your clients are concerned, do you know? Do they view having an accountant as a means to an end or are they looking at it more creatively to understand how to better use their money, how to ensure they're not paying more tax than they need to, ensuring they're paying enough tax that they don't have the inland revenue coming after them. Are your clients quite proactive about their money or are they more handed over to you, sorted out for me, Sam? I have a bit of both. There's obviously, you do get the customers um, that would just like to pass everything over to you. I feel the one thing that sets me aside from other accountants is I'm more of a down-to-earth person. I will have that sit-down talk with you and I will say, look, what's been going on? What's been going wrong? What's been going right? What do you feel you need to get out of your own business? 
And you'll find some people that come and just say, I don't know what I'm doing with anything. I need your help. And there'll be other people that say they've tried and they can't, they don't know how to progress their business to make more money and things like this. And I think that's what sets me aside from others is I won't just do someone's accounts. I will say to them, okay, you need to be getting on social media. You need to be marketing this way. You need to be going to trade shows or you need to be expanding your business plan a little bit more to cater for the fact that you need extra cash flow coming into the business to then expand through that way. So I do add in more services than accountancy because I find that gives me more of a down-to-earth relationship with my customers. And I feel that I am more um, clued up and knowledgeable about their own businesses as well. So they will then come to me in the evenings, for example, you know, I'm buying a car. How shall I buy it? Shall I buy it through the business? What benefits me? What? How does it not benefit me? You know, I'm always getting d- different kind of questions from my customers, um, whether it be about their specific accounts or whether it just be what's the best way for the business moving forward. And it sounds to me as though you're playing a pseudo financial director role there rather than just looking at the past numbers, which lots of accountants do. You know, they look at the year gone by rather than looking at what clients can do to be increasing their revenues. And normally it's the financial director that kind of projects forward as much as they might look back at trends. Yeah. Is that is that a fair description that you do take on that additional role to be helping them to look at growing their revenue in the future, not just looking back at the years gone by? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the way I look at it is if their business fails, they've got one, no need for me, and two, they've just closed down a potentially successful business. You have to help small businesses stay alive. And unfortunately, the way it's been going previously with COVID and things like this, a lot of unemployment, a lot of businesses closing down. Um, it's not healthy for the economy to have that, especially in small towns like I'm in now down in Folkestone. Um, there is shops that are closing down. There are people that are losing their jobs and then becoming homeless. All these different things. If you have someone that is able to give you ideas and support and just back you and constantly give you the advice that you need to just give you that little bit of a push, I do find it boosts their confidence as well because when you're stuck in a rut, you'll find that you kind of start sinking. And I always find that all of my customers are very optimistic. They're excited. They're not just looking at the past accounts. They're looking at what's coming up for next year, what we're doing for the next six months. You know, how can we get more turnover in? How can we get, you know, more money coming out and things like this? So we do have a lot of conversations with our customers here and we always make sure that we help them moving forward rather than just what they've done in the past. And I think I think that, you know, that is relatively unique from my experience, you know, of accountants. You know, our accountant is great, but we only see him once a year just to review our accounts. Yeah. And there's never really any conversation with regards to any planning that is going on, anything that we should be looking at. And I think it would be quite nice to have that additional pair of eyes on our business. Yeah. Because I think, as you say, particularly, you know, smaller companies, people who work on their own, et cetera, they might 
not be able to see outside of the box that they are in, essentially. So to have somebody who is proactively helping them to expand that business, that to me sounds like something, you know, really, really special and different and a real value added service over and above. Here's your accounts. This is how much you owe the tax man. And this is how much you owe me. Yeah, see you in a year's time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's one of the things that I found is I found people were coming to me saying, I haven't spoken to my accountant in a year. I try and get hold of them. They don't respond. They don't respond to emails. They don't respond to my phone calls. They don't text me back. So I made sure that I was the one person they could get hold of all the time. Yeah. So if I get a phone call at eight, nine o'clock in the evening, I will answer that phone call to that customer because they are ringing me for a reason. Now, I don't have customers that take advantage of that. I make sure that obviously they are aware that I am a mother and I do have children to attend to as well. Um, So I do obviously make that clear as well. But I do make sure that I'm available to respond to that text message or email or even if it's just to say, hi, I've read your email, you know, no problem. I'll work on it tomorrow morning just so they've got that communication. Because when you've got someone dealing with your finances, you want to be reassured. And a lot of people don't give that reassurance. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I was different to the others. Yeah, which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Has your relationship with money, has your money story, as it were, has it, is it influencing how you are today and how you are running your business? Yes. Um, Obviously, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm going back eight years to, you know, there was points where I was living off paper plates. I didn't have anything. So I'd literally be selling everything to pay my debts off. I don't want to be back in that situation. I want to make sure that I am living comfortably. I want to be paying my bills, paying my taxes, (coughs) excuse me, and um, taking my kids out for days, taking them on holidays, things like this. So I don't want to be back in that situation. And I think a lot of people will have the same motivation as me where, you know, you work and you work to pay for your bills, but you also want to live as well. Yeah. And the government are making that really hard by obviously mm. increasing everything at the moment. And unfortunately, there's there's just nothing you can do about that. But it's yet again all about budgeting and making sure that you are living within your means and you're not racking up more debts that you possibly already have. And also making sure that if there's anything for your business that you don't feel comfortable with, you are going to see a, see an accountant in a hope that they're able to give you the advice that you need to make sure that your business is running as smoothly, smoothly as it can to benefit you in the future, especially in the short term where all these increases are coming. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think what happened to you at school in terms of the bullying, and you've been, you know, very honest um, about that. Do you think without that you would be doing and where you are now? No, I think um, if I hadn't have had the bullying, I probably would have been still. I still would have gone to school. I would have maybe continued to college or university, and I probably would be in a totally different career. I don't know what that career would have been, but um, I don't think I would have done what I do. What I do now. And are you in are you in the same town now as you grew up in? Yes, I am, yeah. So have you come across any of those bullies since? 
I see a few of them in the street, yeah. And do they acknowledge you? Do they look at you and, and wish that they had what you have now? I have had conversations with them. It's always been polite, nice, um, you know, amicable. Um, and I, the main conversation I get is, you're looking well, you look like you're doing well for yourself, and then that's it. I don't yeah. really get, you know, yeah. to be honest, I don't really get into a conversation with them. Um, I think, do you know what? I don't need to justify myself to anyone. Absolutely. And I built up my confidence myself. I've built up my career myself and I'm not going to let anyone bring that down. Absolutely. 100%. And I suspect now with the passage of time and maturity, they wish they hadn't behaved the way that they did. And there's regret that they did behave in the way that they did. And a little bit of, thank goodness what I did to her didn't actually have any really serious detrimental effect. Yeah. And in fact, it drove her on. And I wish that I now had what she has. A hundred percent. Because yeah. do you know what? It could have been a lot worse. I think the experience that I had at school, to be honest, was quite light compared to what the bullying is like at school these days. Yeah. You know, at school, when I was at school, what, 15, 16 years ago, there was no, there was social media, but it wasn't as deep as it is now. Yeah. There was no trolling people. There was no abuse online or anything like that. Nowadays, you've got kids that are sitting in class on their phones. They're actually asked to use their phone to go on Google and things like this. And they are on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They're on TikTok and all these different things. Yeah. And you get a lot of child-on-child bullying. And that, in turn, has made a rise in child suicides. Yeah, which is awful. Yeah. Horrendous. Yeah, to- totally, totally agree with you. You know, b- back in my day, there wasn't any mobile phones. You know, I didn't have a mobile phone until I was working, and I was one of the first people to have a mobile phone. It wasn't a mobile phone as in walk around. It was a mobile phone in my car. Yeah. And I was about 21, 22 then. People couldn't believe I had a mobile phone. I had a phone in my car, and then slowly but surely – you know, we all started to get mobile phones. And you are so right, you know, whereas if you were bullied in school back in the day, at least it was left at school. Whereas today, it follows you home. It follows you into your sanctuary, i.e. your home, into your bedroom. And that, you know, that is far, far harder to deal with, definitely, definitely. For anybody that has gone through the journey that you have had in terms of the bullying, but not necessarily the bullying, but having to, you know, manage money, having to get out of debt, but still having ambition. So not letting what has happened affect your confidence for you to not go on to run your own business, to have people working for you. What advice would you give to people who are looking for that motivation, looking for that inspiration? Don't give up on what you dream to have. You need to obviously continue to work hard to get what you have in life. And there's always avenues that you can use to expand your knowledge, go for the career that you want to go for, and just study hard. There's always a way around things. So there's always the evening study courses. There's always the open university courses you can do at your own leisure. There's all these different things now that you can go for and apply for and actually complete knowing that you've worked as well as studying in your own time 
to to gain the career or get the extra knowledge that you want. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, this is why I started this podcast was to, first of all, to encourage us all to talk about money more. Yeah. Because it's not a subject that is spoken about, you know, frequently enough, no. particularly amongst women. You know, we are we are much shyer about speaking about money than than men are on the whole. Yeah. But to also, particularly in the guest episodes, to give listeners who are tuning in the ability to hear from people who have lived and gone through a journey and where they are now is very different to where they started out and the steps they took to get there. And I think with every single guest so far, it has been a case of them having come on a big, big journey, not not starting off in a way that was easy or comfortable for them, yeah. but ending up in a position that they utilize every opportunity that was available to them in order to get to where they wanted to. Yeah, and I think the the biggest point is that you just mentioned is money is not spoken about at all. And I think especially in females, you've always got the dominant male that would take and take control of their family finances and pay the bills and go out to work and things like that. And it's so much different now where you've got the women going out to work and the women are working full time and they're obviously going to have children. They're going back to work again. They're working from home. They're having a second job. And it just, they are also contributing to the family income. Yeah. So why are we not making it that females feel comfortable to talk about money and not feel that they have to keep it inside, bottle it in? Because that's obviously then where the whole mental health comes into it as well, where it's, it's not good for you to, you know, sit on things. You need to have an open discussion about it, whether that be with someone you know or anonymously. There's lots of different channels you can use now to talk about money. And I think um, it's all about making it known that it's a normal conversation to have with someone. Absolutely. And I think as well, where today is very different from a generation two generations before is we now recognize we have a choice to be doing something that we really want to do. We don't have to be stuck in a job doing something that doesn't fulfill us, that really doesn't make our heart sing. And you don't have to be stuck you know, if you want to work, you know, on a checkout in a supermarket, you truly want to do that because you just want to have the extra money coming in and not to go home and be taking your work with you. That's absolutely fine. But if you have aspirations to be running your own business, to be your own boss, to have a team of people working for you, to yeah. create that financial freedom and working on your own terms exactly as you described, there is night school, there's open university, there's a way to do things if you truly believe you can do it and you have that motivation to find a way to do it. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, perfectly put. So what is next for you? Um, I've recently set up a recruitment agency, which um, works alongside my accountancy um, practice where I have quite a lot of um, contractors that are always looking for subcontractors and things like that. 
So I've just expanded over to the recruitment side. Um, that's currently well underway. Um, that's been up and running for a few months now. Um, so, yeah, that's getting very busy. Um, and then, yeah, just progressing these two companies as I go um, and just going from there, really taking each day bit by bit and seeing where we go. And that's thing to myself because it's something I always say to my clients, you know, as and when possible, generate additional uh, lines of income, additional yeah. income streams. So you're not reliant on the one income, particularly yeah. if the pandemic has taught us anything is as and when we can diversify, yeah. add in those additional lines of income, because that's going to bolster your earnings far much more than being reliant on one thing if something like a pandemic happens again and the rugs pulled from yeah. underneath us. Exactly. And I think that's the thing everyone's experienced. The rug has been pulled from underneath us and everyone was struggling and is still struggling, you know, stemming on from that. So I think it's all about making sure that you've got the extra avenue. If you can think of different ways, there's so many different things online now. You can set up Etsy shops. You can set up all different shops on Amazon and things like this. There's all different kinds of avenues you can go down. Um, a lot of people are into cryptocurrency. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you could work towards just to give that extra bit of avenue that in turn will give you that sense of relief and a small amount of freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if people want to connect with you, Sam, how can they do so? Um, I'm on social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram, which is at PFS Limited. And my website is also www.pfslimited.co.uk. And I'll have all those details included in the show notes so people can easily reach out to you. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time today. I've loved our conversation. It's so nice to hear these real life stories of people who've not necessarily had the the best start, but they haven't allowed that to hold them back in any way. And in fact, have actually used that to propel them forward and to create the life by their design rather than something else by default. So thank yeah. you very much for your time. No problem. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Thanks. Before I end today's episode, I want to mention that from the 4th to the 7th of April, 2022, I'll be holding a free Money Confidence four-day challenge. Discover how to reset your relationship with money and create your own financial cheerleader for life. During the four-day challenge, I will support you with practical money exercises and transformational mindset techniques to change your relationship with money and help you to increase the income you are making in your business. A link to sign up to the challenge can be found in the show notes. I hope you will take the opportunity to join me and other people looking to transform their relationship with money. So that's it for today. If you have any questions, please do reach out to me. And I look forward to hearing from you and speaking to you next time. In the meantime, take care. Thank you for listening to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. If you have enjoyed it, I would love it if you would tell somebody else about it. You don't have to leave a review or write a post on social media tagging me, Leslie Thomas Coaching on Instagram or the Money Mastery Business Coach on Facebook. But if you do... I promise I will give you a shout out in a future episode and I will be hugely grateful. I can also be found at Leslie-Thomas on LinkedIn. If you would like a copy of my free resource, Three Mindset Shifts to Double Your Income, then please go to leslieathomas.com forward slash let's hyphen talk 
hyphen money. I would love to hear from you, so please do email me at leslie at leslieathomas.com. I will reply to all messages, but please do be patient. Until next time, remember, master your mindset and in turn, you can master the money you make in your business.